welcome to Backing Paper for yet another week in glorious lockdown Britain. Ah, what a delight it is. The sun shining, I know, because I saw it from my window. Who am I kidding? I'm a gardener. I'm living in a good life out there in gardens. But um, for those of you that aren't, I, I feel for you. I really do. Um, one of those people who's getting to stare at the sunshine through a window is the amazing <laughs> and indeed quite fabulous Rachel. Rachel, how are you, my dear? Hello. Yes, I did actually open a window today and stuck my head out and was like, oh, yeah, it's sunny. <laughs> Put my head back in. <laughs> um, no, but it's it's great because obviously we have Marcy, the dog. Um, so uh, I do get to take her out. So I go out with her once a day and Adam takes her out for the other, other walk on the, of a day. So she gets a lot more exercise than we do at the moment, um, which is, but yeah, it's it's kind of like, it's a weird sort of parallel universe going round the streets as we are at the moment with with her and she's like where is everybody i don't understand she's staring out the window thinking don't understand what's going on um but yes it was lovely and sunny so that's all good um yeah so you've had a good day yeah so i've not been at work today um so okay, my, that's my good. work is yeah it's been nice to have a day off today uh so <laughs> I'm gratty. So I'm not a morning person, um, as many people will probably know. Um, and these mornings are getting later and later at the best of times anyway, especially now because um, Sinead, my partner, and Will don't have to get up for school or work. So they're getting up later. So they're not waking me up. So it's like it's all getting real cash around here. Um, so I got up real late and um, caught up with my boys, which is always a delight, uh, and um, and did go out and have our, had our um, mandatory state walk. <laughs> <laughs> at great speed around the countryside um so that was nice uh, i haven't i did kind of think when i got back i was like, oh, i'm gonna get in and do some stuff in the dark uh, in a dark shed um but it mm -hmm. said i had a nap because it's sunday <laughs> and i'm in my 40s <laughs> uh, is this what happens is this what i have to look forward yep. to oh and look forward to is definitely the right way of looking at it it is a thing you can look forward to because it's the thing i think we've all wanted to do for a very long time and um, but when you get into your 40s you can absolutely just by going i'm gonna have a nap um the only downside is it does mean i've left trays of chemicals out since last night which probably won't be great yeah. but because um last night i what kind of chemicals are they gonna smell uh no they're fine it's just um i was well i was gonna say i was doing some printing i wasn't doing some printing what i was doing was um when uh steve steve lloyd sent down his chroma camera um he sent down because I, I didn't have any four by five film at the time so he sent a box of very expired i think 1989 um Ooh. expired um no, I'm going to have to try and remember here. I think it's Tri-X orthochromatic film, I think is the correct. Anyway, it's a Kodak orthochromatic You're in short pants then. <laughs> exactly. I'm in short pants now, Rach. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, so when I sent the camera back to him, I said, would you mind if I kept this to try out? He's like, yeah, sure. Find out if it works, see if it's any good still. So um, last night, just on the kind of a, a whim, because I had, 20 minutes thought, oh, i'm gonna um i'm gonna take a uh, ronald because ronald's getting more action now than he's got in years because i'm not going anywhere so taking that great <laughs> big lump of a camera with me is fine so just in the backpack it doesn't need to be really does it you're no. just putting it out in the garden yeah, yeah. It, it is so heavy though god every time i pick him up I'm like <laughs> jesus camera is so heavy um but anyway I, I went into the garden there's really nothing in the garden to take pictures of at the moment either but that was i just wanted to see if the film had any life left in it so i just took a picture of some branches and um 
because half-arsed is always at least enough of an arse for me, I was like, what's the quickest <laughs> way I can develop these? Um, and what I had to hand was the chemicals I'd mixed up a few days before for developing prints. I thought, you know what? I'm sure that... I know we never talk about developing film in multi-grade paper developer, but why not? Oh, no. <laughs> So here's, that's why. <laughs> so here, here's the reason why not. Um, turns out that developed. You didn't film, message me about this, though. No. No, it's fine. Um, turns out the reason why not is, boy, does that develop fast. Like, oof, that's fast. <laughs> um, but now, luckily, because this film is orthochromatic, it means that I can develop it under a red light. So I thought, I'm going to chuck it in here, see how long it takes. After 40 seconds, I was like, oh, I think I need to take this out right now. But it worked. It defo worked. So I got a couple of pictures. Good, good. So, um, I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to make a habit of developing it like that because it is a little bit tense. But, um, (laughs) yeah, so you can absolutely develop film in multi-grade developer. (laughs) But, yeah, it is a sub one minute time uh, on this film. Um, How's the grain looking on it? It's hard to tell, so I left them hanging mm. out to dry. Um, they look pretty good, and because it's four by five, um, then it's probably going to be, you know, any grain is going to be not a major problem, but it looks all right. So um, mm. I'll try and digitise them at some point. Uh, that's something I, haven't, I need to digitise a few four by five prints. Um, the Jago process, not recommended. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> Listen, maybe, maybe not. I'll try it in HD one ten next time. But no, they look pretty good actually. Just from oh, like eyeballing them, um, I was like, "Oh, that that works." <laughs> this is the way we should do everything. Um, but then I left those chemicals out in the warm shed all day, so Oops. I probably need to bin those now. Never mind. It's all good fun. Um, shall we move on to emails, Rach? Because we've got an email sure. from somebody who's perhaps slightly more competent uh, and and a better <laughs> source of information and practice than I am. Um, do you want to take this first one, Rach? Titled yes. Explosions from the wonderful well, John Whitmore. That's what I was going to say. Like It's titled Explosions, so this could be interesting. Okay. Exploded. Um, yeah, so John's got in touch to say, Suneds, that's Sunny 16 and Legends combined, just to clarify, apparently. Um, he says... Just after listening to, sun- to Sunday's backing paper, we heard a large bang in the house. It resembled the noise made by a bird flying full pelt into an upstairs window. Oh my gosh. I immediately ran upstairs but could not see the classic outline of spread wings <laughs> and a pigeon face profile anywhere. I love that classic outline. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, confusion ensued. Was my dodgy DIY finally catching up with me? Just as we can't get to B&Q. Did my stash of old camera equipment, fa- wires, fancy dress fall over in the loft? A fire engine came screaming down the road, slowly slowing as it passed our house and stopping a few doors down. And Marie immediately jumped into the jumped into the local fo- uh, face bank group to find out what was happening, or at least some entertaining speculation. In the most recent post, a lady stating she had just called the fire brigade because her neighbours had thrown a tea towel covered in petrol onto a garden bonfire. Oh boy! <laughs> ah. um, remember, folks, dispose of your chemicals <laughs> responsibly. Um, he says, P.S. No one was hurt in the explosion, and Facebook comments now suggest it may have actually been a gas canister. Heck. Um, so, yeah, well, I mean, this does this does remind me of uh, a certain somebody that you mentioned last week, uh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just to clarify, you and John, it can't be the same neighbour, because no, no, you and John don't live anywhere near each other. We are um, just far enough apart for things to be safe. I think if we were any close <laughs> together, well, there could be trouble. Ooh. 
Sparks would fly. Ha uh-huh, literally. Um, he says, also, thank you for the shout out uh, about the Dark Shed live streams I've just started and to everyone that's tuned in so far. It's a bit of an experiment like most darkroom shenanigans should be. It's broadcasting twice a week, uh, Thursday at 11am as a tea break and Sunday at 2pm for the Sunday sessions. Uh, he says you can subscribe to his YouTube channel um, and tag um, Dark Shed Live on Twitter and any um, with any questions and strict comments. And he also says if you can't make it live, you can always catch up after. And he has left the YouTube link. So um says, take care, Sunbeams, and all your listeners. Can't wait to have the greatest of photo walks when this is all over. From John. Um, and, yeah, we were chatting about um, John before, weren't we? And just saying I, I, uh, I managed to catch his first... Uh, live stream live which was nice got to see the the cool like multi-camera setup in his dark shed which is awesome um i haven't had chance to catch the others live unfortunately because been working etc um but it's great that you can actually watch them on catch up afterwards so that's all good yeah all good i absolutely need to as we keep saying john's fabulous he's entertaining and very very capable um i have i hadn't realized he was doing something on the sunday as well so um because mm. i'm uh, you and i have both been working um still yeah. so um yeah unfortunately that thursday 11 a.m a.m and not gonna work for me but i can always catch up later and i need to yeah. i need to uh, my problem is i'm not one of the youtube generation so youtube is uh, just not well, a go-to for me you say that and yet and yet you now are a youtube <laughs> star of your own right well, well obviously um, i am um, the new just, pewdiepie <laughs> for any for any listeners who haven't yet realized or heard or or run screaming from their um youtube screens <laughs> um uh, graham is one half of a, a comedy duo um <laughs> of uh, graham and paul presents analog wonderland live on a thursday evening at what time does it start uh it starts, starts this is paul's brilliant planning he's planning for thursday eight o'clock so thursday the day when i'm supposed to be <laughs> Spending the evening with Sinead at eight o'clock at the time when everybody's supposed to be out clapping for the NHS. So he's nailed it on both counts. Well done, Paul. And and, I mean, I like to think that we're um, an informative um, collective of wisdom. But yeah, not much. It's been it's been really good fun watching you guys, and in some you know relatively dark times, it's been uh, it has been a lot of. Um, it's been that little bit of light that's really hurt, kind of like helped. It's given me a laugh. Um, it's made me chuckle a lot, and it's been nice to kind of like follow along in the comments and things. Um, yeah, I feel dead proud. I'm really proud of you guys for doing this and for you know providing that extra bit of entertainment for everybody. Um, are they? Are you able to do, watch those shows on Catch Up as well? Oh do you know? yeah, there, there. Yeah, Go to okay. the Analog Wonderland stream. And there you forever can for see that. Yeah, um, and what you what you'll see is that um, I. You'd think that after four years, nearly four years now of doing this podcast, that I would be just quite happy and confident sat there. There's a big difference between having a camera pointing at you and not having a camera pointing at you. And what you'll notice is I am drinking almost constantly. I did notice you were getting through quite a bit. Is that from nerves? Is it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and nerves and something to do with my hands. Um, And because my drink of choice is neat vodka, by the end of the one hour live stream, I was quite drunk. (laughs) um, Well, see, this week, there was you guys did a little competition, which was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, we all got to take bets on on who was going to be quickest. Uh, Paul so cheated, yeah. 
Um, and you had listeners um, or watchers, I should say, um, uh, also also uh, you know um, having a go alongside you guys as well. So that's really cool. Yeah, it and was good fun. Lots of fun. So is that going to be a regular thing then on a Thursday at 8pm? This is how I know that it's time to tune into you guys because I hear all my neighbours out clapping for the NHS <laughs> and, I, I, and I my dog like runs inside because she gets super scared of like what is going on. Um, so we, all of our neighbours think that we obviously clearly hate the NHS because <laughs> we're never outside our front door. We're instead looking after Marcy who's cowering inside the, 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 the way I like to think about it is that everyone's outside clapping for us and Marcy is running inside so she can be there to see the to beginning of the live stream. YouTube. Yeah, okay, exactly. Right, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But yes, uh, the plan is to continue with it. Um, Lovely. It's very much Paul's plan. Uh, I'm, I'm going along because I'm not smart enough to say no. Um, but no, it's good until fun. until you fall over. Over. Yeah, until I fall <laughs> over, until I run out of vodka, which at this current rate is not going to take very long. Um, but yeah, it was good fun last week. I enjoyed it. And the week before, they yes. had Andy, Andy Church from Kodak on. So um, yeah, I'm not sure. There was talk, and whether it's going to happen, I don't know, but there was talk of um, somebody from Lomography joining us on this week's show. Mm, <laughs> um, that'd be I, fun. I, I think if they actually watch an episode, they may change their mind. <laughs> so we'll see. Well. It could be a lovely surprise for us all on Thursday then. It certainly could. It certainly could. Excellent. So that's on the Analog Wonderland channel, isn't it? It certainly is. Um, okay, like next email. Now this one, this one is a big one and it's a good one. Um, okay. This is Notes from Isolation from Jasper Theodore Kauth or Kauth. I probably pronounced all of your name incorrectly there. <laughs> Jeremy informed me that it's pronounced Jasper after I called him Jasper all the way around on the photo walk. Um, I mean, anyway. to be fair, as you see it written down, um, that is how I would pronounce it as well, you know, unless the person actually tells you different. So, uh, you know, I won't worry too much. I'll try now not Now we know. Anyway, let's see what he has to say. Dear Sunnies, it's day 11 of self-isolation and I am finally getting around to writing that email I promised <laughs> Graham back in February. Is Lockdown. this at the walk? Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Lockdown, as Christian Strauss remarked on the Discord channel, does strange things to people. And strange things indeed have been happening. As our darkroom got closed until further notice, I finally started organising my rolls of 120 by manufacturer, type and speed, as one does. I have also had frozen curry five days in a row now. <laughs> And I started growing a beard in honour of YouTube's new live stream oh, star. <laughs> reference. Uh, well, I admit, whether the last one is strange lies in the eyes of the beholder. Uh, also, I shaved for the um, YouTube channel last week, uh, so, <laughs> so sorry, Jasper. Um, one of the few reasons that I have not yet reached the next stage of isolation insanity, which is revising my negative filing system, <laughs> are the now close to 270 episodes of Sunny 16 and Backing Paper podcasts. Ah, okay. I was like, hang on a minute. We haven't got to episode 200 yet, but that makes sense. Combined, I suppose, yes. Indeed. Half of which I have yet to listen to. I'm only partly joking. Closing my eyes and listening to your podcast twice a week has been a wonderful way to escape the confinement of my room. The two most recent episodes with M and Lucy were rather inspiring, and I'm sure some of my art historian friends would find joy in philosophizing about your discussion on artist statements. 
Was that discussion not in itself a statement by an artist? So meta. I loved it. <laughs> Enough of all the compliments. You already know you're great. And I do not want to take up your whole show. I mean, you, if you want to take up the whole show telling us how great we are, we'll actually take it. But... <laughs> oh, that's fine. Go for it. Allow me just one more testimony to the fabulousness of the Sunny 16 extravaganza as it concerns the actual, albeit belated, reason for my email. Oh. Two photo walks on one day? What ingenuity! Ooh. In all seriousness, though, I still often think back to that day in Oxford back in February, even if it feels like it was ages rather than weeks ago. What a marvellous day it was, and what a sunny day it was, and what a cold day it was, but <laughs> it did not matter because we were outside with lovely people smiling broadly into lovely cameras in front of lovely sights. Ah, those were the days, days in which we could still squeeze 15 people onto two long benches in a pub without having to worry about social distancing. Friends, those were the glorious days of my beardless youth. <laughs> This sounds like something you'd write, Graham. <laughs> Great. As on every photo walk, I did not only meet a whole host of brilliant people, but also shot quite a few more roles than expected. Two roles of Lomography's Potsdam Kino and a role of Triax in my then newly acquired Bronica SQA, plus half a roll of T-Max 100 in my trusty Rollicord TLR, to be precise. As this was my first real outing with the Bronica, and my first attempt at taking cinematic photos with Lomo Potsdam, I was particularly interested in the results from that combination. I managed to develop them fairly quickly and was not disappointed. As far as I can tell, from my fairly limited photography skills, that's not true, camera and film are keepers. It took me until early March to finish that half roll of T-Max, however, and I since found out that pushing it to 200 works a lot better for me. When it comes to film photography, I am primarily interested in the processes of taking photos and then developing and printing them. Sadly, due to my work schedule, I only rarely get around to the printing stage. And as much as I love looking at photos, I often choose taking new ones over scanning and editing old negatives. Naturally, this leads to the build-up of any film photographer's worst nightmare, the dreaded backlog. Sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, just how many rolls of undeveloped film do you have at the moment, Rach? I don't know. Oh, Graham. <laughs> I mean, ballpark. <laughs> don't ask me this question. Ballpark it for ballpark us. Ballpark figure 35 Oh my god! We need a bigger ballpark. <laughs> um, uh, well, there you go. <laughs> you got, um, it's almost as if it would take a complete lockdown of the outside world to make us get rid of it. Indeed, I finally managed to scan all the negatives from the photo walk this week. You can find a selection of my favourites down below. Ah, follow the link, which I will include in the show notes. Graham will find two familiar portraits of himself oh. among them. I suddenly... YouTube star. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I suddenly got a bit perfectionist and had to rescan them to get them just right. I hope you like them. I've seen these pictures um, and they are they are really nice. They, uh, I think I mentioned before about this, but um, it's so nice when somebody takes a picture of you and, and sends you and you go, oh, that's a really nice picture of me. Um, you know, it's, it it's a really lovely thing to do for somebody. One, uh, um, one of my favourite ones... Um, actually of of me it was the one that you took of aid and myself <clears throat> on our photo uh, uh, meetup yeah. yeah at christmas last year yeah, yeah. when we were in banbury yeah yeah, yeah it's really lovely so yeah. yeah two years ago 
Yeah, no, well, the thing is, Rich, you're, you are lovely and photogenic and you just don't believe it, so it's really <laughs> nice to take pictures nope. and go, look, see, I told you. Nope. Uh, <laughs> it was lovely. Yes, you're right. It absolutely is. I'm sorry, I've totally... Um, uh, derailed up where you were that's all right uh, <clears throat> where was i um naturally the real joy of such a day does not lie in the photos themselves but in the myriad conversations with fellow photo walkers and the interactions whilst taking photos of one another just like on the pr all the previous photo walks i attended shout out to cosmo photo and london camera oh, project that's cool yeah the walk was attended by some of the most interesting and pleasant people you truly got a splendid crowd of analogue enthusiasts together. It was great to see a lot of familiar faces, such as my Oxford photo friends, including the legend himself, Nas. He knows Oxford better than anyone, and it's always wonderful to spend some time with him chatting the day away and photographing the city. I added two photos of him that I took towards the end of the walk, and his smile seems to speak for itself. All my other friends had a wonderful time as well, and there were many new faces too, like Karen and Stephen, whose photos I have long been admiring on Instagram, mm. or the fabulous Dave Walker and Simon Forster, and so many others. Originally, I had planned to make my way up north to attend mm. Fraser Yule's photo walk in Edinburgh this month. Once this crisis is over, I will make sure to jump on the very first train to Scotland. My favourite photo from the walk is Jeremy North's tribute to Andreas Feininger's famous dual-lens portrait. You know that one, Rach. I love oh. that picture. Oh, yeah. The famous Andreas Feininger's famous dual-lens portrait. Okay. One of my oh, favourites. I'm so sorry. I actually, I, I don't know that one off the top of my head. I right. will have to I check have that out. No idea what he's talking about either. It's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you, Rach, you know me. Um, Jeremy and I had the chance to discuss some of life's biggest questions while traversing Oxford. It was such an immense pleasure and I hope we will be able to follow up on some of those questions soon. Needless to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, meeting the one and only, thankfully, Graham in person was a particularly <laughs> special moment. And there's not even <laughs> there's not even scare quotes around the word special. Thank you for organising this great day and making everybody feel so welcome and appreciated. Siu asked me to say hi and she wanted to know if Graham was doing all right. I told her about your dark shed and she seemed reassured. She's been quite busy <laughs> taking photos with the casino. So um, she was uh, somebody who I passed on one of my cameras to. Uh, she managed to rehome two of them now, which I'm very oh, happy that's about. Lovely. Yeah, was one this of... when you were working out, you know, where they were going to go donate? Yeah. So I gave one to see you and I sent one off to, oh, damn it. Now, now Sweden. Or <laughs> Switzerland. <laughs> so far. <laughs> but anyway, it's got off to a new home. I sent it off at the beginning of everything. So hopefully um, that's being enjoyed as well. Now. Um, before I end, a few words on photography. While I had very mixed experience with the Potsdam speedier brother Berlin, the photos on Lomo's Brandenburg-themed cinema film came out really nice. Developed in ID11 at 1-to-1 for 6 minutes 45 at 20 degrees C. The film does not have the latitude of a Tri-X or HP5 and is not exactly flexible in its applications. But in the right light it produces tones that have come directly from Wim Wenders. Wim Wenders? Wim Wenders. It's not Wim Wenders. <laughs> Although I do really like Wim Wenders. <laughs> I, think, I think he's in the most recent Star Wars film, Wim Wenders. <laughs> 
Bimbenda's <laughs> cutting room floor. Are you all right, Greg? Uh, I think so, yeah. Lost you. <laughs> I've never seen that written down before. And I said it and then went, no, that's not right. <laughs> I've heard it before and that's not oh, it. <laughs> We're chuckling too much. <sighs> uh, <clears throat> um... The photos of my friend Grigore in the rafters of the Sheldonian Theatre even remind me a little bit of 1920s German cinema. That being said, nothing beats the punchy contrast of good old and almost indestructible Triax, especially compared to T-Max 100 uh, in reusable T-Max 1 to 4 for 9 at 20 degrees C, which I find a bit flat when exposed to box speed. However, even at 200, it does not match Cosmophoto. I greatly appreciated M and Lucy's suggestions on indoor photography projects. Hopefully, I get enough sun in my room for some cyanotype prints next week. At the very least, I will try to revisit and rescan some negatives from my travels last summer. As my two preferred subjects, Friends and The Sea, are currently inaccessible for me, I have been playing with the idea of putting together a zine with black and white photos of my happy place, steep cliffs bordering rough seascapes. Perhaps I will entitle it Shades of Sea. We shall see. What is the status of your zine project, by the way? Uh, it's, on, <laughs> it's on lockdown. Um, alas, where does this leave us? In these strange and uncertain times, we have to remember all the people that we hold dear and all the little things that make us happy. Do not despair, but think back to brighter days and dream of those still to come. Suddenly yours, Yasva. Uh, who is at J C O K A U T H on Instagram, and uh, I'll put his website address in there. Thank you so much, Jasper. Uh, that was awesome, uh, <laughs> long but fabulous email. Oh, fantastic! Thank you so much for getting in touch, and it was lovely to hear. Do you know it was like a little portal into the past, wasn't it? Listening to uh, his experiences and and thoughts about the photo walk that he did in February, and like he says. It wasn't really that long ago, but so much has sort of changed in between. It feels like it was a, a lovely a lovely memory to, to go back and reflect on as well. So that's awesome. It certainly is. And I think it's really, it's really important, actually, to think about stuff like that. Because I don't know about you, but I suspect I'm not alone in this, that it's crazy to think back and think, oh, just one month ago, we were still looking forwards to the photo show in a week and a half, just a month ago. Um, and all of this situation, it's hardly been any time at all. We, you know, it, it's been bonkers, but it's hardly been any time since things were different. And it won't be long before it's different again. Um, so, you know, just remember that a, a rapid shift into it will come back out of it again. And as he said... This too shall pass. This too shall pass, exactly. Um, uh, what's the expression which... Uh, uh, oh, God, I heard where it was um, from recently and, and I've forgotten. But anyway, um, it'll be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it isn't the end, which is a great quote um, and very appropriate. Friends sent me that this week, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, do you want to take this last one, Rach, uh, from the fabulous Graham Young, uh, who spells his name incorrectly, but we love him anyway, from the Homemade Camera pro Podcast. Uh, pro podcast. Podcast. Um, uh, you're the only Graham that I know that spells it the way that you spell it, actually. The, the right all, way. All the, other, all the other Grahams spell all it um, as Graham Young spells it. Wrong G-R-A-H-A-M. Wrong. Graham Young spells it. It's not hard. <laughs> 
Anyway, he sent, sent in an email to say, Alert! The Kraken has been released. Woo! Uh, release the Kraken! Gosh, um, just before we get started, Simon Forster well, pointed this out to me. Uh, Graham Young, not only does he spell his name incorrectly, he pronounces Kraken, Kraken. No. Ooh. Nobody does that, Graham. Nobody does that. I've never heard it that. called a Kraken before. Never. But... It's a Kraken. Oh. But, uh, We're not exactly worldly. We're not exactly great with our geography the devil you say pronunciation so you know Listen, um you, after windwenders i have no idea what you thought you thought, right? uh, yeah i don't know where i got that idea um that we're rubbish at these things <clears throat> anyway i'm gonna go with kraken mm-hmm. release the kraken whilst i had a previous goal of releasing the kraken 612 camera on april the 16th I have decided that perhaps due to our current state of worldwide sequestering and the accompanying wild search for diversions, releasing the Kraken two weeks early could provide some needed distraction to those stuck at home. The 3D printable files are available for only $30, 30, though there will be future access to already printed kits through a couple of 3D, uh, sorry, through a couple of third party sellers, sellers, one in the US and one in the UK. For more information and to see who and this camera is, what this camera is all about, go to frozenphoton.com. There are videos on how to assemble it. Assembly time is one to two hours. I guess that's if you're competent. <laughs> um, <laughs> two to three I would weeks suggest for me. <laughs> one to two days was my thinking, but yeah. Um, how to calibrate it and how to choose a lens for it. If you have any questions, you can email Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M, at homemadecamera.com. One note about the price. I am sensitive to the fact that there are people with 3D printers out there for whom income is uncertain. To address that, if you're one of those people who wants to put together a Kraken 612 for your very own, I will sell the camera on a sliding scale. Email um, graham at homemadecamera.com and I will work with you. Isn't that lovely? For everyone else out there, there is a special 15% discount that runs through to the end of April. Just use the code release the Kraken 15 <laughs> at the checkout. Smiley face from Graham. How lovely is that? That's Isn't fabulous. That and I'll obviously put that information all in the show notes. Um, I know I talked about this before. I, I'd really hoped to get out this week and put another roll through the camera, but I just because I've been working because of April and May, my busiest time of the year. Um, I haven't had a chance to, but uh, I really like the Kraken camera. Um, I think it is if you have a 3D printer, um, it is well worth your time. Uh, and actually, um, as far as putting it together, H, I think because mm-hmm. the way Graham's built it, I think it's. Two hours is probably about right. I, I didn't put mine together, Graham, because I don't have a 3D printer. Graham very kindly sent me one fully built. But because I needed to make some adjustments to it, I did end up taking some of it apart. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it goes together very well. I, I, it's um, compared to, let's say, for example, the Lomography Constructor, another camera I once built, which is... I really enjoy building the Constructor. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> Such anyway. sucky cameras. But anyway, um, it's it's really good. It is a sturdy 3D printed camera. Um, as you can tell by the name, it's 6x12. Um, and when married up with a large format lens, uh, it's going to give you some really fun results. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good camera. It is not just a toy. Uh, it is a fun to use camera um, that I think will give some people some great results. And I'm really looking forward to getting back out with mine. Um, and 
because it is 3D printed and it's designed to work with different lenses, you you know, there's a certain amount of tweaking that might need to be done, putting in shims and stuff. And so at the moment, that's what I'm waiting on is uh, Simon Forster is very kind of going to print me off a few shims to put in between just to slightly adjust the focal length um, so I can focus a little bit closer. But these are all really easy things to do with it. That's that's one of the things I love about it. I love the fact that I could take it partially apart and get to know that camera um, mm. and understand it and put it back together. You, you build a connection with it, um, which I think is great with the tool that you're using. And it's something we can't really do with most of the cameras we use. No, no, absolutely. Very, very cool. And um, I uh, I happen to notice that he posted um, on Instagram, actually, and I believe there may be one winging its way to me at some point, too. How exciting is that? That's great. I think you'll do some great stuff with it, Rach. And the nice thing is that the because um, the negs are so big, like they're big enough to make contact prints. You, you can make some yeah. great black and white comp, comp contact prints or some cyanotypes um yeah. stuff like that so for the work you do the mixed media work you do you could have some real fun with that so very, um, very excited yay yeah so really cool really cool so release the kraken release the kraken release yeah. the kraken 15 that'll get you a 15 percent discount so uh yeah have a chat to graham at homemadecamera.com if you have any questions yeah and, and go to frozenphoton.com he has gone to a lot of time and effort to put together some very well-made videos to show you how it goes together and the whole thing and it will give you the confidence to do it um, and give you a really good idea about the camera um he, he's, he's put a lot of time and effort into that side of things as well so um yeah support graham he's done some good work on this um okay yeah. before, before we move on to the fabulous coffee stuff um a quick note so at the end of the show i, I you know i was i was thinking about this and i thought we're not going to get one but we have gilbert townsend has sent in his audio diary for march he's been doing his photo Yay. a day thing and i thought we're not going to get one that's going to have been killed but no he has sent one in which we will be adding to the end of the show so look forward to that it's always lovely to hear gilbert's soothing tones um as part of it though rach he does talk mm. about cyanotypes and he oh. mentioned in the email to me, he said, oh, maybe Rachel's got some advice in this. So he's had a go at cyanotypes. And I think he says in the piece, I've always been led to believe that making cyanotypes was super easy and it's not gone so well for me. Oh, um, okay. And the thing that he seems to think might be the problem is perhaps the choice of paper that he's used. Okay. Um, now, what are your... Because paper is important. Choice of paper is really yeah. important with cyanotypes, isn't it? So can yeah. you give some advice on this? Um, I mean, the thing is with paper, like, like with photographic paper, like with any, any kind of element of an analog process, it will change depending on the decision that you make in terms of the medium that you're putting it onto. So if you're printing in the darkroom, for example, changing a different kind of uh, paper, you know, whether it's a matte one or whether it's a warm tone or whether it's just a normal kind of like glossy RC resin coated paper, they're all going to give you a different effect and they might also have a different exposure time and things like that. Um, so you're going to get a different sort of texture. Um, you wouldn't necessarily get a different uh, exposure time with the cyanotype, but you get definitely going to get a different kind of texture. Um, so it's very much about um, experimenting with which kind of papers you like. Some people like ones that have a lot of texture and, and more of a raised surface. Some people prefer ones that are um, very flat and, and have very little texture. Um, if you 
use cyanotype chemicals on because <clears throat> you can use them on anything porous basically so that's obviously paper fabric your skin don't do it use it on your skin but that is also why you can end up dyeing yourself blue accidentally because <laughs> we're porous too um wear your gloves um but yeah so anything like wood obviously you've done some on wood i think haven't you Glenn? yeah we we talked about this before and I know Toby as well has done some on ceramics, that kind of thing. So anything porous it would work on. Um, now, in terms of the paper that I tend to use, I, I quite like having um, having some texture in it as well because for me, making a print, whether that's a darkroom print or a cyanotype print, it's also about the physical piece. And so I like to kind of like really feel, you know, that sort of like physical piece as uh, the texture in the paper. So I use one that's... Uh, got a little bit of uh, raised surface. Uh, it's around sort of like 300 um, uh, milligrams, I think it's called, in terms of a weight. So it's quite a hefty, um, thick, good quality watercolour paper, basically, is what I use uh, for, for mine, usually. But I have made them on, you know, pages of books and that kind of things as well. Um, the thing is, if you're using a thinner paper... Remember that obviously with the cyanotype, the main thing is that you're going to have to wash it thoroughly afterwards. So you don't want it on anything really too thin because very easily that can break down in water or you can end up ripping it, tearing it. Unless you want that as an artistic effect, obviously. Um, <laughs> you want ripped and torn mm, as an artistic effect. Yeah, remember. I mean, sometimes... That's not the kind of thing I would say. <laughs> yeah, but no, but seriously, sometimes it might be, um, you know, that you want something very delicate you know, that you want it on something that's um, much thinner. But just be aware of the fact that obviously you need something that's, well, you're going to be putting this into um, a water wash, you know, to make sure it's washed out thoroughly. Um, so there's a chance that it could disintegrate <laughs> in your hands. That's why I tend to use something that's a heavier weight, uh, something like a watercolour paper, because that's designed specifically for um, having very wet, um, you know, sort of like, paints obviously watercolor paints mm. on it um which is why i tend to use that so yeah it's down to artistic choice and um just try experimenting with a few different textures to, a few different weights of paper and try it out uh, yeah. that way i'd say yeah the other thing that i found um and you probably haven't come across this as much because you tend to be more careful and use better quality stuff in the first place whereas i tend to grab what's available mm -hmm. um is that cheaper papers uh, and more multi-purpose papers um, have more chemicals in them and yeah. the cyanotype chemicals can react with that um, and that can mean that sometimes when you coat them they can look very blotchy when they're dried um, mm -hmm. some paper, I mean, papers have uh, a pH um, and you'll see acid point. Yeah. You'll see, yeah, yeah. You'll see um, a lot of papers, sort of, uh, a lot of watercolour papers marked as acid-free, um, but alkaline can even actually be a, a bigger problem. So cheap paper can be an issue with that. What I've found is that usually, even if they dry and look a bit blotchy, when you expose them, they're okay. Um, the other thing that I've found um, around here is that you have to be really careful with the water that you're washing it with if you're trying to do, I think Gilbert was doing, um, trying to make contact prints from four by five negatives. So obviously there's quite a lot of detail in there and quite a lot of tonality. And if you then wash those prints with a alkaline water, you're gonna blitz that stuff straight out. So uh, I have to add, um, certainly to the first wash, some citric acid uh, to 
lower the pH. Otherwise, that can take away any detail that you might have in there. Um, so you need it to can also help with the blues, can't it as well? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, but I mean, th these are things. Like the tone, <laughs> but yeah, yeah absolutely. Do you, uh, have you have you used um, uh, distilled water or anything like that in the past, Graham? For washing yours or, or you, you don't care <laughs> no i i certainly have and at the moment so what last year i bought a big 25 liter bottle of water to sit in the dark room distilled water for mixing up chemicals and washing cyanotypes and whilst i had garage sorry did you get it from the garage? Because I think you can get that kind of thing. Or yeah, you, you can. I just, I just <laughs> Maybe not at the moment. No, no. I just happened to order mine from Amazon because you can get oh. anything from Amazon. And it was £12 something for a 25 litre bottle. Um, and I bought a little, put it on its side on the table uh, in the dark shed and got a tap that goes where the lid is. Mm. Perfect. And I certainly found that that was better. So if you've got really hard water and this is the thing you're looking to do, then yes, it's definitely worth getting distilled or, or, I mean, or even just buying like cheap bottles of mineral water or something like that that's going to have a lower pH than just your if you live in a hard water area. Um, so yeah, water and paper type can mm. make quite a big difference and it's just experimenting I, with those but yeah and and the other thing is you know sometimes people sometimes manufacturers change the makeup of their particular papers like i've definitely had that in the past where i'd been using a particular kind of postcard uh, it was great I'd, I'd found these ones that i really loved they were a fantastic weight and and you got like a decent amount in in the book sort of thing um, so I always used to use those for my workshops and then I went to one workshop and I couldn't understand what was going on and why none of these these prints were working um, and it was one of those heart and mouth moments oh my god what's going on I bought them from the same place but it turned out they changed the manufacturer and it was only when I uh, I got back home and and literally you know sort of like held the new pack that I'd taken with me for this workshop next to the uh, the original one and then realized that actually they were very slightly different in terms of size and that they'd clearly been made by somebody else mm. um and uh, and yeah they they just didn't work on the on the new on the new version so I had to kind of come up with a different solution in the end but yeah it can sometimes take you by surprise that kind of thing you know um, it's like when they discontinue your favourite biscuit or something like that. <laughs> Most annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, so absolutely, um, it can it can make a difference. Um, I've used obviously things like um, luggage labels and and things in the past, and and again, depending on where you get them from and who they've been made by, and you know um, wherever the shops had their manufacturer, you know, sort of like send them to them from that can that can change things too so uh, yeah it's uh it's one of those things that can actually have quite an effect so it might well be that if he's been having a few bits of trouble yeah i think i mean if you if you you're as with not everything but as with many things if you're spending more money on better quality watercolor paper you're probably going to get better results if you're doing what i tend to do which is pop into the word or what it no works and mm. just go oh what, what what pads of watercolor paper have they got here your results will be more varied um canvas as well is one that you you could be like oh well this is going to be porous you know obviously it's canvas and you know it's kind of like a cross between paper and fabric right um uh, no, <laughs> quite often they put a coating over the top of it, which I'm sure works really well if you're using things like acrylics or oils or things like that. It doesn't really work for cyanotypes, <laughs> or at least these ones that I, I picked up, I think also for the works. Um, I was like, this will be great. I'll make these lovely cyanotype 
uh, canvases. Um, nope, did not. <laughs> it all just slid off, unfortunately. <laughs> it did not <laughs> permeate the uh, uh, the fabric, um, the um, fibres, unfortunately, of the canvas. Obviously, so think, if it was something, you know, like natural muslin or something like that, it would work. But yeah, unfortunately not. not really. So what we're saying is that probably the work's not the place to go for your fine art supplies. <laughs> Despite the fact that they seem to have quite a lot of art stuff there, it's very cheap. Well, maybe just not for cyanotype stuff. Yeah, yeah, or anything you care a great deal about. Um, So anyway, as I said, we'll stick on Gilbert's uh, audio diary at the end of the show, so that would be fantastic. Um, Shall we move on, Rach, to say thank you to our fabulous coffee donors for this week? Let's do that. That sounds great. We have got, we always like to say a special thank you to uh, new donors this week. Uh, and we have got a new donor. I'm going to have a crack at this name, I'm gonna, by which I mean I'm going to probably mispronounce it horribly. Uh, Christoph Seiglin. Seiglin? Seiglin. What do you think, Rach? I think Seiglin. Seiglin. I like, I mean, I like both, but I like Seiglin, who, um, who uh, sent us a message saying, three cups of finest Yorkshire tea for a delightful podcast team. Yay! You help us to weather the lockdown. Thank you. Um, Thank you not only for the cups of tea, but Yorkshire tea, which is, I don't know about you, Rach. In fact, I do know about you. That's the tea, right? Yeah, that's the one that we if, have. Yep. If you're drinking tea, you're drinking Yorkshire tea. Otherwise, <laughs> what's even the point? <laughs> um, so thank you very much, Christoph. And you can find... I, Christoph doesn't seem to be hugely busy on social media, but he is on um, Twitter. He needs to get more people following to get him more active. So you can find him at C Sieglin, which is S-I-E-G-E-L-I-N uh, on Twitter. So go find him there. Um, thanks so much, Christoph. That's thank awesome. you so much. With our recurring donors, oh, we want to say a huge thank you to, um, as last week, as we move forward in these uncertain times, it's nice to have some degree of certainty. And so continuing the theme, uh, I've been working hard to figure out what role our donors will have in the future dystopia that we're clearly heading mm. towards. Um <laughs> Uh, I love that. I'm so happy about this. People, we all like to know. We all like so people can start planning, thinking ahead. So, um, whose roles are we assigning this week? (laughs) Okay, we have Dominic Silverthorne. Uh, Dominic Silverthorne, the wonderful uh, Dominic Silverthorne, uh, is going to be the chief designer of the Siege Engine Brigade because that's going to be pretty important. We're going to need Siege Engines, Rach. Okay, Uh, Juliet Schwab. Uh, Juliet Schwab will be the assigner of duties, labours and appropriate punishments. Duncan Gammon. Uh, Duncan Gammon, obviously uh, it's alchemist in charge of his lordship's laboratory. Martin Smith. Martin Smith will be the keeper of trails and pathways. He'll be responsible for making sure that, you know, the messenger can always get through. Jayabat. This is a big move, actually. Jayabat's been working. He's going to be commander of the first Zeppelin fleet, so looking forward to that. Hilary Clark. Uh, this is a fairly obvious one. Uh, Hilary's clearly going to be the leader of the War Council. Uh, we all saw that coming. Um, you only have to spend a small amount of time with Hilary to know that you do not want to cross her. Um, so. <laughs> and... Last but not least, of course, Sam Christopher Cornwell. Uh, Sam is going to be the chief astronomer. Uh, astronomer? No, sorry. Astro- which one's which? Uh, yes, which one's astronomer. the one? What? Are they the one that looks at the stars? Uh, 
yeah. Um, no, he's going to be an astrologer. Uh, and he's going to be telling us <laughs> when the moon's in Uranus and helping because that's what we're going to need. Because clearly, science is letting us down horribly now. So he's going to be chief astrologer and he's going to draw up charts for us all um, so we can make our plans. <laughs> working with very much with Hillary to plan our campaigns, I think. So um, I think it's going to be great. I think we're going to be well sorted. We've got a good rounded mm. team we're building up here. Um, Super. <laughs> um, <laughs> although, t- just, uh, just to reiterate as we have in the past we obviously completely understand if if anybody um feels like they would um like to pause their donations at this point that is of course totally fine we we very much thank the people who are continuing to, to donate and obviously our new donor of course um but it just make whatever makes sense for you at this point in time absolutely um, then go yeah. with that yeah, yeah exactly as Ray said if you if you need to to pause or stop your donation for your own financial well-being or if you see other people around you think ah, I'd like to help them and, and they probably need it more then do that send your money where you think it will do most good like we we hugely appreciate the people who donate to us but uh, we know that there are a lot of people in need out there at the moment so do what feels right for you um and, you know we love you all for what you do and <laughs> I don't know whether the mic just picked it up. <laughs> My stomach just growled. Was that um, your stomach? Yes. I wonder what that was. Is it biscuit time? In That's Jago the pet tiger I keep in my podcast Goodness room. Me. Uh, I think. That. Yeah, I think that probably send, indicates... Hang on, help needed, send Graham some biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all of this money will get spent on biscuits. Um, <laughs> well, I think that does about do it for this week, doesn't it, Rach? I think so, yes. It's been lovely to talk to you all again and uh, to get a chance to catch up with you, my chum. It's been really nice. Yes, it certainly is lovely, Rachel. It's, it's the, the bit of normality that I look forward to. Um, yeah. There will probably be a Sunday 16 podcast this week. Not quite sure what we're doing yet. Um, <laughs> Rachel, you're, you're going to be busy this week, so we, it I won't am. be a Rachel on it. But, but if you can bear to tune in with the, the absence of Rachel, then we will hopefully be there with something. You did such a fabulous job last week with um, uh, talking to Lucy. I was really, really gutted that I missed that one. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, I couldn't be there for that. Lucy's it a was, delight. Yeah, she's such a lovely woman and um, uh, very, very talented um, uh, commercial photographer, of course, but also as um, uh, an artist as well. So, uh, yeah, I hope at some point soon we will get to uh, we will get to catch up properly in person let's see <laughs> let's hope yeah. so we will we will yeah. who knows we don't know when but we know we'll meet again exactly. one day yes <laughs> um as we've already mentioned you can if you're looking for entertainment this week you can find um john's uh youtube uh, live streams going on on thursday morning mm-hmm. um and, and on sunday afternoon at two o'clock uh and you can find um whatever the heck it is that <laughs> paul and me are doing on thursday evenings at eight o'clock and all of these things are then just in the YouTube channels. Um, oh, and we, there's also our Discord channel. Oh, well. yes, the Discord channel, um, which has been a great source of conversation. Um, Matthew Joseph set it up. Thank you so much, Matthew. Um, yes, if you want to go and chat with film photographers in a place that isn't Twitter, because Twitter's a lot at the moment, <laughs> as is Facebook, um, then go to the Discord channel. If you go to our Instagram page, you will find the link to it just there. Go along, join up. It's a lovely, friendly place with just all sorts of fun conversations, not just um, written conversations, but also I know that there have been groups of people just going, oh, I, you know, anybody about now actually want to just have a 
spoken word chat with voices and everything. Um, you can even, you know, I think, I'm not even sure you might be able to do video chat on it. I don't know, but you can reach out. I know it's, you know, a good way to connect with people who you might have only heard their voices on the podcast before or seen them on Twitter. You can actually talk to them. It's magical. The <laughs> wonders of technology. I know, right? Absolutely. For all of the difficulties that it sometimes brings us, it also does give us this opportunity at this point. So. You know, that's uh, really wonderful and uh, nice to see all these lovely conversations happening and advice being given and what have you. So that's ace. And uh, if you could put the link to it in the show notes as well for anybody who doesn't have Instagram or Twitter and access to our um, to, to us on there, um, that would be really handy. I will do that. I Thanks will do much. that. Um, well, yep, that does it. I will uh, wrap Just uh, I don't know what I mentioned this last week. Just keep everybody up to date. So far in my recent... Um, uh, listening and reading. I've now listened to um, Lucifer's Hammer, the book about uh, the Earth getting hit by uh, a comet. I finished re-listening to World War Z for some pockets. And last night I watched a really interesting, um, uh, interesting is not the right word, a moving film called 93 about um, a an outbreak of Ebola in Nigeria. So I'm very much, Ooh. you know... <laughs> So Great. more more recommendations, please. My, my, mine have been watching lots of um, 90s ITV Poirot. <laughs> and um, I just read this weekend The uh, Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turn T- Turton, which was really cool and fried my brain slightly and was, yeah, awesome. So, yeah. So there you go. Two good. different approaches you can adopt. <laughs> <laughs> My comfort reads. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> mine too. Christy inspired. <laughs> All right then, listeners. Well, we will leave you then with that. Um, take care of yourselves and take care of those around you as always. And until we speak to you again, have a lovely week. Have a lovely week. Okay, this is the March recording of the One Shot A Day Photo Challenge by Gilbert. And, well, March has been weird, hasn't it? To avoid stating the obvious with everything that's going on, I will talk about photographs in a vain hope to distract you from everything else that is happening in your life at the moment. So, first up, I went to Glasgow at the beginning of the month, when such a thing was possible, I suppose, to visit my partner and I had quite a nice wander around for a few days, as well as an art school show in a disused glue factory, which was pretty amazing, and had lots of tanks and holes in the ceiling and interesting stuff like that. The camera that I have been shooting mostly for this month, although not exclusively for reasons that I'll get onto later, has been a Leica M2 that I was lent in exchange for one of my cameras by the very nice Simon Forster of classic lenses and large format photography fame. Clearly he has too many cameras anyway, so you know, he can't shoot them all at once, especially not when he's indoors. So I got a chance to use a real Leica with an actual Leica lens, which has been interesting to say the least. I'm not entirely convinced that Leicas really are for me. I don't think I get on super well with rangefinders, just not being able to see through the lens has always not exactly annoyed me but kind of confused me I suppose I want to be able to see 
what my depth of field is. I don't take to focusing with a rangefinder patch. I find myself taking a hell of a lot longer than if I was just doing it. Uh, sorry about that. That was my cat opening the door and slightly startling me. Um, I will try and get her to meow later for um, general amusement, I suppose. What was I talking about? Rangefinders. Rangefinders I find really hard to focus in comparison to a split image prism of just a normal SLR. And you don't get to see what's in focus. You don't get to see a whole frame. You sort of see an approximation of it. It also has a metal surround, which I was terrified was going to scratch my glasses at all times. Coupled with the fact that when you're using a rangefinder with glasses, your eyes further away and you can't see the whole frame. And it's just kind of a bit of a nightmare. I ended up making a temporary felt washer thing that I attached to the surrounding. Don't worry, it's uh, reversible, it's double-sided tape. I'm not going to be ruining his really actually quite beautiful mechanically camera. Out of the whole thing, I have to say that I'm really impressed by the wind-on lever of all things of that M2. It's just a beautiful object and feels really satisfying somehow in a way that none of my other cameras quite do. But I don't think in and of itself that's enough of a reason to have that particular camera over others. It is also quite small, which is nice. But um, yeah, if you want to hear people talking about rangefinders, go to the Classic Lenses podcast because that's all they talk about ever. What did I shoot in this camera and what did I shoot with this camera? I decided because February apparently was a colour film month that I would do black and white and I have for the most part. Of course, there are exceptions to every rule, and I did shoot one shot of colour film on the 4x5, which I haven't developed yet, which was in the dark, so it probably will be pretty much black and white anyway, but we shall see. And I went out, and for the most part, the start of the month was things outside, and then now it has pretty much settled into you know the indoor things that we're all doing. A certain amount of which have been with my only macro lens, which was on the OM10, which I think I managed to get working, so I'm very happy about that. I don't always ruin things when I take them apart, apparently. What else have I been doing? I try some stand developing with the same large format stuff because I've had the time and, you know, concentration to do it. I took a few shots indoors with T-Max film that I got on eBay, supposedly fridge stored, and tried stand developing because I'd never done it before, which I'm not sure I love the look of, but it was an experience. It worked. It's quite nice being able to throw a bunch of films in the same thing and not have to worry about different times of black and white. And then after I had shot this old brass tin that I think was my great-grandfather's from India, he used to live there, hence have all this stuff that my dad has sort of brought back. I tried making some cyanotypes out of them and I was led to believe that this would be easy and it's been really difficult. I've got some usable images but an awful lot very much not usable images but it's been quite good fun on the way and I'm realising that paper is incredibly important to the whole process and use the wrong paper and everything goes to mush. When the sun comes out again hopefully I will do a few more. It's a bit intermittently cloudy today on the 31st but last week it was gloriously sunny so hopefully we will get a repeat of that and it won't drive everyone mad. In what is even more 5x4 news 
I got with this half-open box of T-Max 100 some Polaroid 55 positive and negative peel-apart film, which could well have been totally cooked given that it expired in something like 2006. But wanting to give it a try, I got hold for almost nothing a holder for the thing and tried it out. And amazingly, it worked. And it's beautiful. So in the midst of going slightly mad being locked indoors, I did a series of Instagram posts where I walked through the entire process of setting up a shot and taking it and processing the film and all of the wonderful clunk noises that go along with the whole thing. And that was quite good fun. And a few people even sort of noticed and uh, said they enjoyed it. So I might try that again with not exactly the same thing, but a, a walkthrough of processes or along those lines. And if you like it, it's still up there. I think it's pinned somewhere. And I can also recommend a YouTuber called Nick Carver, who does sort of uh, landscape things, I think, for the most part. But his one of his latest videos, at least, is him using the new 55, uh, or whatever it's called now, I'm not sure, but pretty much the revival of this positive and negative peel-apart film and making a triptych of... I think it's some feathers and a skull or something like that on YouTube, and that's really interesting to watch. He's definitely more competent with these things than I am. I also, on a trip out to get things, went through central London, which was spookily empty, and not just empty, but boarded up for a lot of it. So I was there on my bike next to, of course, a professional photographer, because that seemed to be the only people who were in central London, aside from bin men and police. And I took a couple of photographs as I went through, and I have to admit, I couldn't not duck through Chinatown and take a shot of just it being completely empty alongside Trafalgar Square and Leicester Square. So I've got one of those that I think will come up in a couple of days or something. On top of that... Uh, I got hold of a Super 8 camera, which, surprise, surprise, it's me. It doesn't work, but hopefully that will work at some point. I need to get hold of a new belt for it, which is probably going to be delayed in the current times, but I'm looking forward to doing some film shooting. And ideas for April, I'm thinking probably not in stacks, which is what my initial plan was, and I will wait until we can actually go outside, because I'm not sure whether it's worthwhile blasting away. 30 plus shots of Instax inside my house is going to be that much fun. So probably carrying on the macro theme, but not so much sort of restrained along these lines because I'm, I'm taking what I can get that is at all interesting at in the moment. Maybe I'll carry on with the large format. I don't know. I don't think I've got enough sheets of film to really carry on with that kind of thing. Right, okay. Actually talking more about the things that I've shot, because I seem to be going on an awful lot about the gear I've used and the gimmicks involved, I thought I would try and focus a little bit more, no pun intended, on the actual images I've made. Okay, so going through some of the images that I have taken, there's been something of a theme emerging sort of already with these things, but I've been trying to do a bit more. Uh, outside of my comfort zone, but very much there are a lot of objects, is perhaps the only way of putting it. Um, for example, there is a large Egyptian statue in the British Museum that's just a thing. There is a very ruinous chair that is at my grandmother's that I still rather like that came out very well on some really grainy expired 35mm film. There's 
one or two more attempts, perhaps, of delving into street photography that I did, partly because, you know, it's a Leica. You're supposed to take street photography on 35mm in black and white, or else, you know, the Leica police come out and hobble your kneecaps or whatever it is. Whilst waiting for a train in Glasgow, there is somebody who was holding balloon animals because I had something like an hour to hang around until this thing turned up. And I had some work that I did, restoration work, not artwork, in the Tate. So just before the lockdown, I had a shot of someone at this uh, opening exhibition. Again, sort of, I suppose, street styled and some shop fronts and things, but still very much picking out one particular thing and isolating that from its environment seems to be where I go with this sort of thing, which ultimately seems to also work better in a square format. So uh, perhaps I'm being pushed in one direction by the cameras that I'm using and should try and break out of it. Yeah, um, like I said, and as I'm sure you all know, it's been an odd one, but actually I seem to have become weirdly productive and being forced to stay inside the house. It's made me try out all these things that I haven't and been meaning to for ages like cyanotype printing and possibly some other things along those lines. So yeah, here's to hoping that April is a little bit more normal and that this productive session carries on.